This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Glorify Jesus. We exalt Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated this morning, family. So good to be here. Uh, in Johannesburg, and I want to thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev uh, for the awesome privilege. You know, for me, it's just a privilege to stand behind this pulpit, uh, any pulpit for that matter, but this one in particular. And we have a very special place in our hearts for Apostle Theo and Dr. Fred and for you as the CFC family. Can you say praise the Lord? If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 11, and we're going to read a little bit. Amen. And uh, while you're turning there, would you look at your neighbor and say, my, 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 but you sure look good to me, and you look good to the Lord as well. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I think most of the folks are down in Durban. They normally come down to Durban, the place where God lives. I'm just kidding, but it is holiday time. But uh, what a joy to be here with you this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 11, and I'm going to read from verse 1. And it says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, and this is what he said. He said, on this condition, I will make a covenant which came to, Jab to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people that they actually weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. And so he took a yoke of oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people." And they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000, the men of Judah, 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Thus you shall say to the men and women and people of CFC, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, help is on the way. Come and look at three people this morning and tell them, neighbor, help is on the way. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, what a privilege, what an honor it is just to be able to carry the name of Jesus upon our hearts, upon our lips, to be able to declare that name, to say that name, to voice that name, to vocalize that name. I declare that in this place, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that you and you alone are the Christ 
that on that cross you defeated death, hell, and the grave. And three days later, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you rose back to life and you ascended on high. And today you are seated at the right hand of the Father where you live to make intercession for every one of us. I want to thank you today that we're standing on victorious ground. I want to thank you that we are triumphant because you triumphed, we triumphed. Because you rose, we can rise. Because you're alive, we're alive today. And I thank you that your word shall go forth from this place, piercing deep into every heart right now. That whatever the need is, whatever the lack is, your word has the power, has the ability to meet that need right now. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, help is on the way. So as you look at this uh, message this morning, as you look at the story, uh, you can see that uh, obviously there is bad blood here between the Ammonites and the people of Israel. Just like there's always been bad blood between the serpent and the seed of the woman. This is what Genesis 3.15 says. God speaking, he says, and I will put enmity, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise your head. That's what Jesus did on the cross to the devil and you shall bruise his heel. The New Living Translation says, I will put hostility. The Message Bible says, I'm declaring war. I'm declaring war against you and the woman. The Tree of Life version says, I am I will put animosity, animosity. So we can see, family, that there has always been war, hostility, and animosity between God's people and the devil. Now, also, I also don't want you to forget that the Ammonites, who, who were these people, the Ammonites? The Ammonites were distant relatives. Remember Lot, that dude by the name of Lot? Well, in Genesis 19, when his wife was turned into a pillar of salt and his sons-in-law uh, revolted and laughed at him and, and, and turned their backs on him, he was left with his two daughters. The elder daughter went in with the father and they conceived and they brought about a son who was called Moab and out of him came the Moabites. And the younger daughter, to preserve the lineage, uh, went in with, that, with the father and uh, he conceived, or she conceived rather, and bore a son by the name of Ben Ami, and out of them came the Ammonites, the Ammonites. Now, I want you to understand something about the Ammonites is that they were a people who worshipped Moloch. They, Moloch was the principal deity and Chemosh as well. And part of their worship was to sacrifice their children to this God. That was, if we can get that JPEG up, it'll show you a, a picture of that God and they would bring their children. Do you know how bent and twisted and demonized and messed up you have to be to sacrifice your own children to the God of Moloch and Chemosh? But not only that, they were known to be a violent people. They were ruthless. They were merciless. 
And when they went out to war, I mean, they showed no mercy. If they came across women that were pregnant, they would rip those babies from out of their womb. And so that is the Ammonites. You need to get a clear understanding that they were a very violent, very vicious people. Now, you also need to realize that they were very furious with the people of Israel. Why? Because one of the judges called Jephthah had taken 20 Ammonite cities captive. So here is Nahash, and he is now seeking revenge. And when I looked up the word Nahash, it means to be like a snake or like a serpent. And we know that with the snake and the character depicting that in the Bible, not the actual animal, but the serpent is very cunning and very crafty. But in that word is intertwined the use or the work of sorcery and witchcraft. In other words, it is a supernatural realm in which Nahash operates, but it is the realm of darkness. I'm here to tell every child of God that we are also a supernatural people, that we operate in the supernatural realm, not in the realm of the occult, not in the realm of mysticism, but in the realm that operates in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light. Bump your neighbor and tell them there's something supernatural about you. Come on, say it like you have a bit of faith this morning. There's something supernatural about you. We are a people of the spirit, not of the flesh. Can I get an amen? And Nahash is furious and he comes out against the people of Jabesh Gilead and he does it by means of fear and intimidation, which invariably always results in compromise. In case you didn't realize it, we are in fact living in a day and age where there is compromise just about everywhere, including in the church. And compromise is the enemy's way of getting you out of the spirit and into the flesh. Can I say it again? Compromise is the devil's way. Compromise comes through fear and intimidation. And you think, well, God's left you. You're all by yourself. You're all high and dry. And so you have to compromise. And it's the devil's way of getting you out of the spirit and into the flesh. Now, the people came from Jabesh Gilead. Jabesh is quite an interesting word because it means dried up or it means dry ground. And dry ground is simply another way of saying dust, dust. Interesting, in Genesis 3:14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are more cursed than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly... You shall go and you shall eat what? I can't hear you in this Episcopalian church this morning. And you shall eat what? And you shall, what are, what are we made of? What is your body made of? Dust and you shall eat dust. The enemy's staple diet is dust. And dust is dry ground, the place where the people of Jabesh Gilead were at. And there has never been a time, as I said, where the spirit of compromise has been more rampant and working in the lives of people, not just out there in the world, but also in the church. And so the people of Jabesh Gilead are 
compromised here and they come out and they say to Naash, the, the Ammonite, we need, to make, we need to make a covenant with you. We want to make a covenant with you and we are going to forsake our God and we are going to serve you. People of Israel, we're ready to compromise because of the spirit of fear and intimidation. This year, our theme in Durban, our church, was fearless, fearless. And we based it on that scripture that's found in 2 Timothy 1 and 7 in the Passion Translation that says, for God will never give you the spirit of fear. Can we read that one more time? For God will sometimes, there are occasions when he even himself doesn't know there are occasions when even in heaven, there's a bit of chaos and confusion and maybe the spirit of, what does it say there, family? For God will what? For God will what? For God will what? For God will what? God will never give you the spirit of fear. But what does he give you? But the Holy Spirit. He will always give the Holy Spirit to whoever is hungry and thirsty. Hallelujah. And with the Holy Spirit, he gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Hallelujah. When you, your back is up against the wall and, and it seems like as if you're all by yourself, you need to remind yourself, no, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 46, 46 and 2 says, therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be re re removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Psalm 27 and 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Bump your neighbor and say, Neighbor, God will never give you the spirit of fear. Psalm 56, 11, In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. Hallelujah. I don't know how much more clearer we can get it from God's word, but you need to realize that God will never give you the spirit of fear, but he'll always give you the Holy Ghost. And with the Holy Ghost comes mighty power, comes love, the ability to love like God loves, and will give you a sound mind as well. Can you say amen? You see, when you give in to fear and intimidation, you will without a doubt end up compromising. And you know that compromising is never a win-win situation. The devil is a taskmaster, but he's more than just a taskmaster. He's a cruel taskmaster and will take everything from you. So it's a win-lose situation. The devil wins and you lose, and compromise always comes at a cost. And the people of Jabesh Gilead were ready to compromise to give in. And Nahash said, okay, it's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I, we're going to make a covenant, but it's going to cost you something. I'm going to take something from you. It will cost you your right eye. Why the right eye? Because when they went out to war and they would war, they would hide behind their shields. Hallelujah. They would hide behind their shields. Don't play that just yet. Hold on a moment. Hold on a moment. 
So they would hide behind the shield. The whole body would be behind the shield and just the right eye was there so they could see the enemy approaching. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now you can play the track. Hey, come on, we are warriors this morning. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. Come on, do we have any warriors in the house? Hallelujah. You and I have been called to fight the fight of faith. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. That's my dance for the year. Hallelujah. Whether you believe it or not, you've been called to fight but to fight the good fight of faith. You haven't been called to fight your in-laws or outlaws or whatever laws they are. You haven't been called to fight the next door neighbor, the boss that you work for, even the Sangoma or the witch doctor that's down the road. You haven't been called to fight her. We've been called to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. The Bible says we're not fighting flesh and blood. Ha. But you and I are fighting and we are contending for our faith and the faith of our children and our children's children. As a pastor, I've been called to fight the fight of faith for our church people. Hallelujah. Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev are praying for you, but they are fighting and contending for your faith. Hallelujah. And everyone that's been anointed by God and carries the word of God in their hearts and in their mouths, hallelujah, has the ability to fight the fight of faith, to shake off that spirit of fear and and intimidation and compromise in the name of Jesus. So Nahash says, give me your right eye. Can we get a picture of the right eye? Here's an eye coming up. He said, I need your eye. Why the eye? Because the eye is not only needed to fight to see the enemy, but as we know, the eye represents the ability to see. I'm not talking about physical sight as much as I'm talking about the ability to see in the spirit with the eyes of your faith, hallelujah. We have to be able to see with the eyes of our faith. And when you take my right eye, you take my faith. And when you take my faith, you disarm me and you disempower me and you deauthorize me. And then you will shame and blame me and embarrass me. And Nahash wanted to avenge the Israelites for the shame that Jephthah had inflicted by taking their right eyes. Come on in this place. Do we have any right eyes left here this morning? Is there anybody that still has the ability to see with the eyes of the faith, their faith? After all that Nahash has thrown at you, you are still here. After all that he said and done, you are still worshiping, lifting up your hands and praising God. After all that he's done to you, you are still here magnifying God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As long as you got your eye means you've got some faith, maybe a little bit of faith, but still all you need is faith as small as a mustard seed. That's all that you need. Hallelujah. Little faith is some faith. And some faith means you can still fight. It means you still have breath in your lungs and you got a spring in your step and you got a song in your heart and you are still in the fight. But look what the Bible says. The Bible says when they heard this, they lifted their voices and wept. They began to weep. Wow, that's a, that's a picture. God was giving a picture of a weak, compromising, unbelieving church. 
a faithless church, not open and reliant on the Holy Ghost, a church that was relying on the strength of the flesh, operating in the realm of the flesh. But it doesn't stop there. Hallelujah. Verse 6 tells us that when Saul gets to hear this, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul and his anger was greatly aroused. The Amplified said his anger was greatly kindled. The Message Bible says he flew into a rage. The NIV says, says he burned with anger. Hallelujah! That's a picture of the church. A church that is empowered by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, not the Spirit of the world. You and I are in a militant, offensive position. We are in a militant, offensive. In other words, we're advancing. We're not retreating, family of God. Can I say that again? We, I, I'm not backing up into some corner and ready to sit down, ready to quit, ready to throw the towel in. No, I am in a militant. Oh, you are in a militant offensive position because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. Jesus said in Matthew 11:12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But, hallelujah, but... I like the but there. The but says, but the violent take it by force. Hallelujah. Come on. The realm of darkness is not having a pity party for you saying shame. You know, let's back off a little bit. We've been too hard on them now. It's Christmas time after all. It's a time of festivity. Let me tell you, the king, the realm of darkness is all out to get you. And when it's got you, it's coming for your children and your children's children. And we who are violent in spirit, hallelujah, we stand up and we respond to that violent uh, oppression of the enemy when we see violence and abuse running rampant in our city in our country the holy ghost ought to stir up on the inside of us a holy anger when we see depression and suicide and hopelessness in our city the holy ghost ought to stir up a holy anger and indignation on the inside of us when we see people still enslaved by poverty and lack and insufficiency, the Holy Ghost ought to swoop down on us and stir up a holy anger on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. When we see the work of evil in the world and in South Africa and in Africa and in the lives of those who we love, the Holy Ghost ought to stir up on the inside of us a holy, righteous anger causing us to become violent in the spirit. Not violent emotionally. We're not violent because suddenly we now are MMA fighters and we're getting out of our cars and, uh, you know, there's road rage and all of that. I'm not talking about that violence. I'm talking about a violence in the spirit. Hallelujah. We begin to pray violent prayers. We begin to worship violently. Hallelujah. Come on, when, when I was in the world and I, disc, I went to the disco, oh, I wasn't there like just, man, I danced, I boogied all night. I moved every part of my body. Came to 5 a.m., not a problem, got home, 
Changed my clothes, shout, and went straight back to work. I didn't put sick leave in. You know, I've been partying all night. No, you went straight to work, took a grandpa headache powder or whatever it was, and you went back to work. And next night you were back out, jawling again, dancing. And when we come into the kingdom of God, how much more for the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. Hallelujah. We dance and we clap violently. You see, silence is the voice of defeat. But when we sing and we dance, hallelujah, it is the voice of freedom and liberty. It is the voice that says we are, we, we, who we, no, we, we, we belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we're going all out for him, all out for him. It's all or nothing. We serve God violently. We violently lay a hold of the promises of God. We violently contend for our marriages. We violently contend for our children. We violently contend for our businesses. Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and say, I am a violent contender. That's right. You say, well, you're coming on a bit strong. Well, the gospel is a strong message. It's a strong message. Hello. I said it's a strong message. When you look at Jesus, Jesus' life was violent. He came into this world and there was violence and he died a violent death on the cross. It wasn't a pretty picture. When they were whipping him on that tree, it was a violent affair. Ordinarily, a man would have died at the whipping post, but not Jesus. And then he was nailed on a tree, and that was violent. Hallelujah. His resurrection was violent. The whole earth trembled and shook, and there was darkness. It was a violent affair. And when the early church was birthed as a result of the Holy Ghost coming upon 120, it was a violent affair. They weren't just all silent, you know, just everybody's hush now, hush. We're all going to be silent. And in the silence, we're going to just envelop the realm of God. No, they were violent. They went out in the city. They started laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, praying for people. The sick were healed. It was a violent affair. It was a violent affair. They didn't ask anybody's permission. Because they were violent. They planted churches violently. They won the lost violently. They discipled violently. And they were unapologetic. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So Saul then sends out this message, an oxen that's cut up. And he says, you know what? This is going to happen to those of you that don't stand up and fight. A cut up oxen is basically good for nothing. It's in bits and pieces. It's useless. It's rendered inoperative. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord comes upon them. And with one consent, they come out. Hallelujah. They were united. If there's something that we see in the early church, it was that they were not only a people that feared the Lord, but they were united. Man, I pray to God that the day and age would come where all the churches would be united, man. It's not about this church and that church and this other church. It's not about this pastor and that pastor. They were all united and they came to a place called Bezek, which means lightning, which means to scatter and to disperse. And when we come together united... Hallelujah. And we put aside our differences and we put aside our squabbles and we put aside our opinions and we come 
together united. When the Ammonites saw Jabesh Gilead, they didn't see dried up dust. They saw people that were bold. They saw lightning. They saw power. They saw the manifestation of God's power. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? And then the Bible says, tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you will have help. Help is on the way. Hallelujah. See, I don't know what place you're in. I've got so much more in that sermon. There's, there's a whole lot more. But I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're like Jabesh Gilead and you've come to the end of this year. Can I tell you, you don't have to wait for 2023 to get reignited and get relit for God. Your tomorrow can be today. I like the word tomorrow because it tells me that whatever happened today stays in today. Tomorrow is another opportunity for God to do something different, something new, something fresh. And your tomorrow can be today, right now, because help is not on the way. Help is actually right here by the power of the Holy Ghost. Maybe there's been a Nahash that has come against you. Maybe you've felt fear and intimidation. And maybe there's been an area of compromise in your life. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you don't have to be in that place. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost has been swooping upon every heart and stirring up your heart. Even as the word has come, faith has risen on the inside of you. And help is here right now. I don't care what 2022 presented to you. I don't care what happened last week. I only know about tomorrow, which is right now, this very moment. God can turn that situation around. God can work in that marriage because we are violent contenders. I'm here to remind people not to give in, not to give up, not to give up in Jesus' name. The moment you were born again, you enrolled in God's army and God has called you to be a fighter to fight the good fight of faith. Lift your hands right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that has come to me. I am a faith person that has a faith covenant with a faith God and faith always honors God. And today faith has risen in my heart. Right now, I am bold in God. I am strong in God. You said that you've not given me the spirit of fear, but the Holy Ghost. And with the Holy Ghost comes mighty power, comes love and a sound mind. I receive this word in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I'd love to pray over for you right now, but my time is up. But here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. You see, on your own, on your own, you'll never make it. I don't care who you know in this world. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how educated you are in this world on your own. You'll never make it. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to die on that cross, to take all our sins, all our shame, all our failures, so that we could receive the life of God so that we could be forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. 
It's not like we're going to do a thousand cartwheels or roll on the ground or say a million hallelujahs before we can receive this forgiveness. No, no, no. It's just simply based on the openness of your heart, receiving God's love. And God's love comes to every single person, irrespective of who you are and what it is that you've done. And maybe deep down on the inside of you, you feel, well, pastor, I'm not righteous enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. Well, the truth is that nobody is. But Jesus never qualified us based on our goodness. He qualified us based on what He did on the cross. And so we come by faith just as we are. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that He will take you just the way that you are, receive you unto Himself, cleanse you of every sin, give you eternal life, take you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. And His plans and His purpose for your life will begin to unfold. Those of you that are away from God or you have no peace or whatever the, the situation is, I don't know, but you know today you need to come to Jesus and He'll take you just the way that you are. Right now, I want to pray for you. Right now, right now, I want to pray for you. I want everybody to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am with all of my sin, all of my mess, and I ask you for forgiveness. I repent today, Lord. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. With my heart, I believe, and with my mouth, I confess that you are the Christ. Right now, I'm born again. Right now, I'm forgiven. Right now, I'm a brand new creature. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.